Welcome back to another episode of the Knicks Wall at the Buzzer. Unfortunately, we're here after yet another loss for the Knicks, uh, who are on a pretty bad slide right now. Um, my name is Dean. I'm here with Candace and Pat, and we're going to talk about the game, talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, who wants to start us off? I mean, I'll start us off. Um, I just want to say um, it was mostly ugly, but we got some good. You know, we, got, we finally got to see um, what Quinn Grimes was made out of. Um, you know, he went off. It was awesome to see. It's clear that he should be at least a, rotation, uh, a rotational player for the team. You know, he can obviously produce. Um, and it was it, it was great to see Kevin Knox get in there and and you know score some points. But the bad, um, it was it was plain as day. Fournier again, four straight games that where he fails to reach ten points. The Knicks are one and six, one and six. Uh, one in five, one in four in their last five or something like that, or one in six in their last, or in their last seven. I don't know. It's just really bad. And it's just, it's just really frustrating because you see, you see, you see like the, the issues are so prevalent on this team. And then, you know, Fibs goes out in the press, in the, in the post-game press conference, and then they ask him about Quinn Grimes. And then he's like, they ask him, oh, will he be seeing more time? And he's like, oh, well, we don't want to, need too much on this because this is just one game and it's like so what like you know you need all the help you can get right now you know and it's like this kid's been a positive so it's like you know you it's like you mentioned Dean before we started there's this team has unrealistic expectations based on last year and now it's like you know they want to force these guys who who were productive last year who aren't um being impactful now and, you know, and it hinders the growth of, like, you know, the younger players like Obi and, and Quinn Grimes, for example, you know, and it's just, like, frustrating to see these things. Yeah, like, you can't be compounding your mistakes. So if we think about it, you know, what happened this offseason, last year the Knicks had a lot of success. They started Reggie Bullock at shooting guard. He played pretty good defense. He shot threes. You know, he was a three and D, um, like, pretty consistent starter. And the Knicks thought, okay, you know, he did a good job of that, but let's get somebody in here with a higher ceiling. Let's get someone like Evan Fournier, who in theory, uh, he's not going to defend quite as well, but his offense is going to be so much better than Bullock's. He's going to give us another dimension. And, um, you know, in total, that's going to add up to more wins, better lineups, this and that, more, uh, more overall play. And so now you pay Fournier that money. And what are we seeing? We're seeing that probably the Knicks need someone more like Reggie Bullock in that role. So now we have Quentin Grimes, who the Knicks just used the 25th pick on. They just got to start together with a, on, a, on a shorthanded Knicks team. And so now Tibbs has a whole game of data where he starts both of those guys against the defending champs, and he plays Fournier, I think, 26 minutes, and he plays Grimes 39 minutes. So if on a one-game basis you can tell that what Grimes gives the Knicks is more than what Fournier gives, because Grimes gets into his shot um, with more lift. He gets it off maybe even faster. 
He's just stronger. He's a little more creative, better passer, way better defender. And he scored 27 points and he hit seven threes, by the way. And so if, if you know that Quinn Grimes is capable of doing this against a really good Bucks team, how are you going to say after the game that, oh, well, it was one game, this and that. And going forward, if we don't see any Quentin Grimes and we keep getting force-fed Fournier, that's bad coaching. It's really bad coaching. That's a really bad way to manage your roster. You're supposed to lean into it when you have an exciting young player who wants to play really hard for you. I mean, uh, tied for second leading scorer tonight was Kevin Knox with Derek Rose. Kevin Knox hasn't played all year, but he's hungry. He's hungry. He comes out, he hits five threes. He hits five threes. Grimes hits seven threes. This is what the Knicks have been needing. So the guys that have been guaranteed minutes all year, with the exception of maybe Obi and quickly and Rose and yeah. And Burks, like they're just not playing with the same kind of fire that they played with last year. And it's really showing up in the, in the results for the Knicks. I saw uh, somebody say the other day that the Cavaliers are kind of coming out with the type of energy and the type of play that they expected the Knicks to come out with this season. And I can't help but agree because you see that they, you know, make that extra effort on defense when they're playing. They have already dealt with some of the toughest matches for their season. They only have easy quote unquote games from here and they're 16 and 12 and they're, you know, one of the top teams in the Eastern conference. Whereas the Knicks last year, they were, you know, a defensive juggernaut and they've completely fallen out of that identity. I don't think that these starters work together very well at all. Um, to start the season, I thought that it was just an adjustment period, especially just getting used to um, the addition of Fournier to the starting lineup in place of Bullock, but that's clearly not working. Randall and Fournier do not work well together on the court for some reason. And then on top of that, we haven't even touched on Nerlens Noel, who gives us nothing. He gave us nothing today. He had zero points. Um, he does not play as good of defense as he did last year. And yet Tibbs continues to give him, you know, 20 plus minutes a game over somebody like Jericho Sims, who has shown that he can play even Obi Toppin, who at times has played the five. He's done an even better job than Noel. So, you know, it's just confusing the minutes and the rotations that Tibbs has thrown out there to try to get things going when it's obvious that players like Kevin Knox or Quentin Grimes or Jericho Sims, Manuel Quickly, these younger players who are hungry and ready to play for this team and actually play to win are right there and you just refuse to play them for some, you know, reasons such as seniority or just, you know, they don't have enough experience. It's just, it's, it's getting to a little bit of a desperation time, in my opinion. I mean, the expectations were high coming into the season. I think that now those were a little bit premature. And I think now they really need to start making some actual adjustments, not just switching out Mitchell Robinson for Nerlens Noel, which has done nothing. Yeah. You like you said, that was super weird. Um, the rotations are very, very strange. Like, for example, the Knicks were down like 17 points with like three and a half minutes left to play in the game. And Julius Randle and Derrick Rose were in the game. Why? Why are they still in the game? You know, you have Deuce McBride on the bench, you know, just he's, he's a, another one of these kids that the Knicks drafted, you know, that you want to see what he has. And then it's like, you know, like, give him a shot, like, throw him out there, you know, like the game's out of reach already, you know what I'm saying? So, like, why isn't a kid like Deuce playing in moments like that? You know, when the game's clearly out of reach, the Knicks are out of it, Julius didn't play well, Evan Fournier again didn't play well, you know, Derek Rose, who's supposed to be, you know, limited in his minutes, is playing, you know, in a game that's uh, basically over, and then it's like, you know, you have Deuce on 
on the bench who can who can contribute. I like he like he he could be a spark for this team. Like you have to see what you have now at this point because the the expectations were too high and the Knicks are just not living up to them. So like we they got to stop forcing these guys to you know to be cohesive and to play with each other. It's it's really imperative that you see what these kids have. Like we 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 continue to we continue to to talk about how you have to invest in your picks and the Knicks like they only do it when they're forced to. Like the only reason Quinn Grimes played today was because Alex Burks was out for you know um, personal reasons. Obi and 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 um, RJ went into COVID protocol. That's the only reason Jericho, I mean uh, Quinn Grimes got in the game. You know, and it's sad that that's what it takes. You know, to see yeah, um, um, somebody like that play. Yeah, like if I can interject here, so. My thing with Tibbs, and this is a really interesting dynamic, is that I have a lot of trust in Tibbs and the coaching staff to develop these young guys behind the scenes. I have all the faith in the world that in practice, in the offseason, they get guys like Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride and Jericho Sims uh, on the right path to development. But I don't have any faith that they're going to play. It's, it's, like, it's like you're developing these guys for their future on other teams. I mean like in the case of Obi Toppin and Jericho Sims, I think that they're probably working extremely hard and they're probably working smart at practice with Kenny Payne. But what do we see um, in, pra- in the actual games? These guys have the shortest possible leash. I mean, the last time we saw Jericho Sims play, he was part of a huge run. He played on a unit that like really, really outscored. I think they played the Hawks that game. And Jericho Sims was extremely strong. He had hands. He could finish. He was everything that Nerlens Noel wasn't. He was blocking shots, getting rebounds. The Knicks need that. But because Jericho Sims is on a two-way contract and he was the 58th pick in the draft, there's very little consideration playing him over Nerlens Noel. And I have like 85% confidence that over a 20-game sample, if you played, let's say every other game you played Nerlens and then Jericho Sims, by the end of 20 games, you'd want Jericho Sims to be the guy playing. I just, I don't think Nerlens Noel is very good. I think he had a great year last year but he is the worst catcher of the basketball that we've seen in the history of the league. As far as I'm concerned, I definitely have never seen anything like this. It's every single time the ball comes near him, it caroms off of his knee and starts sailing out of bounds. Hopefully someone else is there to save it. I mean, this is pathetic what we're seeing. So we have Nerlens Noel and Evan Fournier. They just signed these big contracts and Tibbs clearly is inclined to play them and give them a million chances, but they're giving nothing. They're giving nothing. Quinn Grimes should be playing in Fournier's place. I'm not saying Fournier shouldn't play at all, but let's see what he looks like off the bench. Let's see what he looks like in 15 minutes a game and then build from there. But in this role that he's in as a featured player, it's not working. So just downgrade the role, see if he plays better, and then let him earn more minutes. But a guy that's coming out every single night looking terrified to be on the court can't just be guaranteed minutes when you have a hungry player like Quentin Grimes coming off the bench. Hell, even at this point, like slide RJ to the two and play Kevin Knox. And I have more faith in the Knicks as an overall team than if Fournier is just getting these entitlement minutes all the time. It's just not working. And like there really needs to be a change. And like I've touched on on Twitter recently, uh, this hard-nosed coaching reputation that Tibbs has, I think it's very much overblown. I mean, you can't act like you're this really, really strict, hard-ass coach and then 
every single time you err on the side of, oh, well, these guys are the guys that are going to play. Like he's not yanking guys for playing bad defense. When the guy's playing terrible, they still get their minutes. He's so married to his rotation. And without something like tonight where Alec Burks is having a baby and two other guys get COVID, you're not going to see any kind of creativity with the rotation. So these guys that are playing like shit know that they're going to keep playing. There's no sense of urgency. I think the Knicks are 12 and 15 now, and I don't really know what turns the ship around. Yeah, I completely agree about the Tibbs uh, being a hard-nosed coach thing being overblown, just because it's hilarious. Every time that Obi, for example, has a big play, like let's say just one of his like ridiculously athletic dunks or just you know, gets down the floor super quickly as he does and finishes and it, you know, brings them within a certain margin of the other team. He always gets pulled. <laughs> and I don't understand why that is. Um, and it's, it's like clockwork. Every time that happens, I just say to myself, well, he's probably going to get benched now. He's going to get pulled out of the game. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. It makes no sense. I don't think that Obi is that big of a defensive liability. And, you know, for a coach that values that over everything, it's pretty ridiculous to see that he does that to players like Obi who are actually trying to win games and are actually trying to compete with the other team. Um, but yeah, between Nerlens Noel and then also Mitchell Robinson, I really would prefer to see more Jericho Sims minutes. Um, I would prefer to see Obi at the five just to see how that works because it was just so many times where offensive rebounds were missed by the both of them and they kept leading to wide open threes for the Bucks. That was a big problem today. Another one was just turnovers, but that's for the entire team. Um, you know, that led to, I don't even know how many points for the Bucks, but um, it, there were at least 10 turnovers by halftime, which is ridiculous compared to the Bucks' five. Um, and it's just sloppy right now um, with the starters. I don't know what changes could be made. But as of right now, the players that Tibbs is holding accountable, quote unquote, are not the ones that should be held accountable at all. Um, so people like Evan Fournier, I think he do, does need to seriously consider benching somebody like him who just contributes nothing but empty minutes every time he steps on the court. You, you, you can't be, you can't pretend to be strict and not hold anybody accountable. And I, I don't think it's any coincidence that Nolan's got paid this summer, Fournier got paid this summer. And, you know, they continue to play, you know, um, a lot of minutes during the game. And it's like, I feel like, you know, since these guys are making money, you know, they have to play. Like Coach Dibbs feels like, you know, oh, th these guys have to play. They're getting paid the big, the you know, the the big bucks, basically, you know, like Fournier's contract is significant on this team. He's making the second most money. Nolan's Noel got paid too. Like, I feel like he, like these guys, he feels like that these guys have to play, you know, like he pointed out Jericho Sims is on a two-way contract. So he has no, you know, he, he holds no weight, you know, compared to a guy like Noel who, who showed last year that, that he can play. But like, he also pointed out Nerlens is supposedly he's not a 100% yet. He's not all the way healthy. I mean, it's, it's a, it's apparent on the court and he, he's even wearing a knee brace. So He's obviously not 100%. And if you have a kid like Jericho Sims who's, you know, hungry and he's, and he's willing and able, just, you know, give him some time and let Nerlens get back to, you know, the shape you think he can be in before, you know, you're playing him 25, 30 minutes a game, you know? It, it, it's, the rotations are just crazy. Um, it's just, like, super frustrating knowing that there's potential 
that the Knicks have you, the Knicks have potential. There's potential in there with the kids, and like we're just not seeing it, you know, in favor of these guys that are that have this that have this seniority, you know, and they 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 haven't done anything to prohibit anybody else from getting playing time. You know, there's no reason like Tony hasn't shown that, you know, that he deserves the benefit of the doubt and need, and neither has Nerlens Noel. Last year is not this year. This is a completely different team. So, you know, if you're going to really hold guys accountable, like you're holding Kemba accountable, you know, like just keep that same energy for everybody. Yeah, like with, uh, so let's say Julius Randle, I think he's playing 35 minutes a game, 34 minutes a game. He's really struggling with his shot. Why not put him down to 29, 30 minutes for a few games? And then you make sure that he's fresh and then you give him every possible opportunity to get his shooting back on track. Then once he plays well for five, six games in a row, and it's like, all right, like this guy's got his confidence back. <clears throat> he's reestablished himself with the way that he wants to play. Now we can slide his minutes back up a little bit. Like we touched on before with Fournier, he's getting, let's say, what, 27 minutes a game right now because he's not usually playing much in the fourth quarter. You can bring him off the bench. He can play fewer minutes and keep. That doesn't mean that you don't trust the guy, but you can trust a player and scale back their role a little bit and try to give them the opportunity to get back in rhythm while giving other people a chance. It gets to a point where it's just not fair for the rest of the team. Like if you're Quentin Grimes, you're sitting on the bench every game watching Fournier just be scared. The ball comes to him. He doesn't catch it. Backcourt violation. Um, just dribbling the ball right off of his foot out of bounds and just playing like he's not ready for the moment. You're Quentin Grimes watching this thinking, okay, what am I going to do to get on the court to show that I can give great production at the shooting guard spot? And evidently it's going to take COVID absences and guys having kids for him to get on the court. Um, if you're Obi Toppin and like Candace touched on, you're making hustle play after hustle play, running the floor like no one else, by the way, in the league does. This guy sprints up and down the court, offense and defense, and creates so many uh, opportunities for the Knicks. He's working his ass off in practice. He's working his ass off during games. And when push comes to shove, he has to watch Julius Randle struggle next to a traditional center like a Nerlens Noel who's giving nothing. Even Mitchell Robinson, he has his good moments all the time. He's a very um, impactful player when he's on. But Obi is playing a lot better than Mitchell Robinson. And it's more exciting to see Obi on the court. And it would be more effective, I think, to see Obi on the court. And when we saw Obi play next to Randall, I think that that took some pressure off of Randall because you have another guy in the front court that's hauling ass up and down the court, cutting, making himself available for passes, makes Randall look better if he can throw lobs to Obi. I just feel like right now, if Tibbs is showing a loyalty to these vets that he has, I think he's still doing them a disservice because. He's setting them up to fail. If Nerlens Noel isn't healthy enough to be playing at his best, he shouldn't be playing right now. He should be rehabbing. The Knicks have Jericho Sims. They could scale up Obi's minutes. You just have to get creative at some point. I mean, how far is this going to slide before Tibbs realizes that, like what he did last year, just starting the same five every single night for the entire year, those guys played, they were like a minus two net rating, and then the bench was amazing, and in total, it was a pretty good team. But this starting lineup is a lot worse than that. It's a lot worse than that. They don't have this baseline establishment of playing really good defense and changes need to be made. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, changes do need to be made. They, they have to be like, he can't just keep doing the, like, it, it's like, it's like trying to 
put a square peg into like a circle into like a circle like you it, it just doesn't fit and you can't just force them um to play with each other when it doesn't work like you know there's a lot of there's a, like you just mentioned there's a lot of moments where like you know funky lineups work like we've talked about Julius and and Obi playing together and that that works sometimes you know like Obi Obi's motor doesn't stop he's a guy that's always going to run around make things happen with or without the ball in his hand you know and you just got to like find different combinations you can't just keep forcing the same five guys over and over again for some you know some sense of loyalty to them or for, or 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 some sense of trust and trust quite frankly that they have not earned in fact they're losing it they but at least you know from uh, within us like the fan base and people who you know who who, who cover the team is like how 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 long are you going to do this what more do you need to see to see that this is not working the formula doesn't work and then you take a guy like Kemba out which is under you know like i get it but the thing is is like you don't even you just take him out and don't replace him with anybody you know you just you just shorten the lineup and expect that to work and it doesn't work and it hasn't worked you know the team hasn't gotten better since Kemba's come out the game so like you have to do something different you can't just keep it's in, that's the definition of insanity to keep, to keep doing the same thing with the same result and expecting a different result it just makes you look nuts you know and this does it to himself because you see him bl- almost blow a gasket every game on the sideline and it's like but you're doing it to yourself like get creative you know you you have more than seven eight guys on the bench you know like sometimes you have to that's why you have 12 guys on on your team at any given moment so you can so when something's not working you can put in another piece right and what drives me nuts about that is that he'll act surprised that they're so gassed at the end of games and it's like well you know you have this eight-man rotation you're keeping it pretty tight and you're playing your starters for you know 30 40 plus minutes when you know most of the time they're just doing cardio like they're not actually contributing much to the game and by the time it rolls around to the third or fourth quarter when they're doing their classic fake Knicks comeback and they're trying to get back into things after you know being outscored in the first two quarters it's they don't have the energy for it and that's because he's keeping those tight rotations and he's not giving somebody else the opportunity to step up and provide that spark and that energy that they need to actually get back into games and it's it's definitely just frustrating that he continues to do that um Another thing that I just wanted to bring up just from this game, at least, was that it was just nice to see that Derrick Rose, he looked back to his form from last year um, on the Knicks. I appreciated that he, you know, did his best <laughs> to try to contribute to the team as a starting point guard for t- uh, this afternoon. Um, he had a really solid game, which was sorely needed because he's been looking a little bit uh, funky in his last couple of games off the bench. And I think that IQ did a great job of being the bench general for today in his place. So, I mean, that was an encouraging sign as well. But I think that going forward, I really like Alec Burks and what he contributes to the team, but they definitely still have a question mark at the point guard position. And I think that that would also help to alleviate a lot of the issues surrounding just an offensive rhythm and just getting up to speed with other teams, especially for Julius Randle. I'm not sure what else to say about this game. I mean, usually we go quarter by quarter and try to break things down a little bit more. Uh, in depth, but it was just, 
it was ugly. And like in the, in the first and fourth quarters, I think the Knicks scored 18 and 19. And it was the middle two quarters where they showed a lot of life, but the Bucks kept pace with their scoring completely. They had like 30 point quarters and the Bucks matched it. So we had two big takeaways from this game for me. Uh, Quentin Grimes was incredible and Derek Rose looked like he regained some of his form. Um, I want to give an honorable mention, of course, to how great Kevin Knox was making the most of his opportunity, but we also know that he's probably not going to keep getting these opportunities. It depends how long Obi Toppin is out, but I'm sure once Obi gets back, that uh, that's his spot at the backup for. If Obi is not in the rotation when he comes back, of course, I would revolt, but I don't think we would see that. So um, what, I don't even know uh, who the Knicks have up next. Someone could let me know, but I just <laughs> don't. Yep, the Warriors. Warriors. Oh, oh, I knew that. I knew that. Yeah. So Steph is what? <laughs> Steph is eight threes away from the record, and he's going to rest it's against seven. the Pacers? Even worse. He's seven away. Oh, and man. Yeah, that, that's obviously going to be when he does it. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> he might as well be part of history, honestly. The way the Knicks yeah. guard the three. I mean, I'm sure the Knicks, I'm sure what, what we're actually going to see is Steph Curry just get swarmed. And then, like, Andrew Wiggins is the guy that hits 13 three-pointers. Because <laughs> um, everyone's going to be wide open who isn't named Steph Curry, and it's going to be about whether they can make it. I think the worst yeah. thing that could happen to my psyche is if Draymond Green hit, like, six threes on us. <laughs> if Looney got in on the action, or if Juan Toscano-Anderson hit seven of them for himself, it's going to be probably pretty ugly. Um, I'm not super hopeful about that game, but hopefully we see more Quentin Grimes. Yeah, I'm so sure, sure. over the moon with what we saw from Quentin Grimes. He even got a bang from Mike Breen, I think, on the sixth or the seventh three. And uh, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. His shot is beautiful, and we've been oh, saying yeah. it since yeah. summer league. Oh yeah, in Houston comparison, but like it's it's beautiful. I need to see more Quentin Grimes. He really looks like a great pick at 25. Yeah, when I saw him tie up the game, I went to the to a, to a preseason game. I saw him. In person, he tied up the game against the Wizards, and I was like, wow, that shot looks awesome in person. And it was great to see him on TV, like, just doing it. You know, like, I, you see the potential with this kid, and it's unfortunate that it took this long and these circumstances, but, you know, at least we, we got to see what, what he's capable of, you know? And there's not really, like you said, there's not really much to say, but, you know, it, it was great to see um, Quinn Grimes get significant time and, you know, really step up to the plate, especially on such short notice. Um, it, was, it was awesome to see. Hopefully, you know, like you say, we see him more going forward, even though Thibs Presser wasn't um, too confident inducing, but, um, you know, he, he was awesome. He, and, shout out, and like you said, shout out to Kevin Knott. He, you know, he stepped up. But, um, yeah, like we just we need to start seeing these, these guys that the Knicks – bring in that they've invested in you know just just give these kids a shot you know like the, the, this team is not winning a championship anytime soon you know it does not hurt to see what these what these young guys got 100 i i'm hoping that more adjustments get made but i'm not holding my breath on that one just uh, i think that the, the keba move and the noel from mitch move is the closest that we're going to get at least for the next few games in terms of adjustments from Tibbs, especially in the lineup. But I mean, I love Quentin Grimes, like you guys. Um, and I just hope that he's able to play a lot more after this game. I just also saw that um, it looks like Steph is going to play in Indiana. So let's see if he's able to break it there or if he waits to, you know, 
hold off for just one more needed until he plays us at MSG. But um, that should definitely be an interesting game defensively, see how they cover the Warriors. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning, uh, since you mentioned Indiana, since that's the, the Warriors' next opponent, uh, I just noticed that the Knicks are now 12th in the conference with the Pacers in 13th. The Knicks are 12 and 15. The Pacers are 12 and 16. And of course, like, you know, you get back to the ninth seed just by being 500. You're not going to count the Knicks out, even if I don't have too much faith in the way they've been playing. But like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look at the mock drafts. I, I don't know who the great prospects are. I don't usually follow the draft, especially now that uh, the Knicks have become a competitive team. I don't want to think about that. But when you see like, like hopefully not, but when you see 13th in the Eastern Conference on NBA.com, that's just so rough. I, this is not where the Knicks should be. Um, even if last year the Knicks played a little over their heads, I don't think that they're this bad. Um, I don't know what it's going to take, but I think one thing we do need to talk about, though, is the three-point defense, because this is not just about Tom Thibodeau being stubborn with the rotations because like you want to think he's a little stubborn with the rotations, but as a game plan coach, he's a really smart coach. Uh, I don't know if I could break down the X's and O's like a pro here, but the strategy of clogging up the paint and leaving people open for three, it's bad. It's really dumb. Like how many times does Grace now and have to burn us for him to continue being wide open in the corner? Like how is Bobby Portis always wide open? How many times are the Knicks going to give, career highs to guys like Utah Watanabe was wide open from three several times. He didn't always make the Knicks pay, but they're letting guys get on the map with their careers against them, just with how wide open they're leaving them. And that's a scheme adjustment that needs to be changed. And that does go with the rotations a little because Tibbs feels like he always needs to have a rim protector out there. I feel like right now it's a lot more important to make sure you're tagging shooters. So if the Knicks are going to keep giving up, threes at a crazy rate and the offense is not going to be clicking. I don't know how they're going to go on a win streak anytime soon. My, uh, my thing is I was looking at, you know, last year's defense compared to this year. And the Knicks were the number one three point defense last year. Like what is so different? You know, like you take like what, what the, what's the scheming? that's so different from last year, you know, like why are so many guys wide open all the time, you know, and, and it's guys that kill you, you know, like Bobby Portis is, he, like you said, he was open a bunch of times, a guy like Grayson Allen last time. And, and Pat Connaughton, the last time they played the Knicks, both those guys hit like seven threes each. So it's like, what are you like? Why just look at the tape from last year and do what you did last year. Like, what's the issue? Like you said, like, Dibs needs a rim protector. And, and against guys like Giannis, obviously you need rim protection. But like you said, you got to figure, like a team like the Bucs, they, they're also filled with shooters at every position. So my thing is, is like, what's so different from last year to this year, you know? Like it's the same coaching staff. You know, why isn't the message being, um, you know, received the same way? I don't know. I just, I just find it weird, you know, that with the same, with the same, the same, the same coaches, you know, I'm assuming basically the same schemes and the same, you know, approach to the game. Why is it so bad this year? Well, the Knicks left guys wide open last year, plenty also. Like we took a lot of shit from like the national media guys 
saying that the Knicks defense is going to come down, the Knicks defense is going to come down because they leave shooters open, that their model of defense is not sustainable. And uh, I do think it's even worse this year with leaving the shooters open because I don't think they play with the same urgency and the same effort. But um, this is, it's not a modern enough defensive strategy. And, you know, it's coming back to bite the Knicks in a big way. And then you replace a guy. I, I was just saying, I, I just thought the score was going to be much worse than it was. <laughs> That's pretty much it, you know. And the fact that they got it, they actually got it down to single digits was kind of encouraging, I guess. But I don't know. Um, hopefully they, they, they put up a fight against the Warriors. That's pretty much it for me. Like, I, I, like you, there's not really much to say, but anger and disappointment at this point. Yeah, well, uh, in that case, uh, we want to thank you all for listening. I'm sure that the mood is not too great in Knicks Nation right now, but uh, we'll be back after the Warriors game, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Knicks Wall at the Buzzer podcast.